One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. And welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. We are the Dudley Boys of What Culture. I'm Adam Wilborn, joined by Michael Hamflet and Michael Sidgwick here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube, <sighs> where we do daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions and a round of the week complete quiz of course on wrestle culture as i said though joined by hamlet and sidgwick to review last night's dynamite what do you make of the show sitch um, i thought it was very good it struggled to reach great until the main event oh. and that overwhelming feeling of the special the power just before the bell yeah. rang was just really quite i needed it i think after the past however many months, and that match was awesome. There was some very good action elsewhere, and there's a complete and utter omni-shambles <laughs> deeper in the show that I'm really looking forward to taking apart, like, limb from limb. Like, and every single limb deserves to be taken apart as well. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I liked the devil developments. I liked the commitment of the booking of the main event, especially. And I liked that people who still just like moves will have felt very satiated by this specific specific episode of Dynamite, and that's not a dig at those people either. You know, like, there is all wrestling for all sorts of mm -hmm. fans, and th there was nothing to quibble about the work. And maybe apart from the opener, there was not a lot to quibble about the work, even if I personally wasn't doing cartwheels over much of it. On the subject of moves, this time with the Z, mm -hmm. have you heard the hype for the trios match on Rampage? No, but there the, are, there that, are, that exists. That's amazing. No, no, no. no. <laughs> it's Action Andretti and Top Flight yeah. versus Penta, Commander, and um, Vikingo. Okay. Apparently, and this must be something great because I think I'm not the only person who's a little bit, you know, down on hybrid style work and all the rest of it. Apparently, it is phenomenal. Ooh. One of the best matches various people have seen live in this building. Like, chance every 30 seconds for how awesome it gets. Wow. Apparently, it's something truly to behold, something very special. Second week in a row that there's been something appointment viewing on Rampage. Aye. I saw two things on this one, but that's something that pissed me off about this week's Dynamite. So, <laughs> like, uh, get to that. Well, let's get into this show, because uh, it opens with Samojo marching down to the ring, uh, and we go back to highlights of, obviously, MJF being attacked mysteriously or being revealed to be laid out backstage following a presumed devil attack. Uh, Joe gets on the mic and says he's come here looking for answers. He made a promise to MJF uh, to keep him whole before him dismantling him personally at World's End. But he was made into a liar last week when he saw MJF laid out in the back, jeopardizing his AEW title opportunity. And he saw a certain beer bottle of a certain brand that a certain cowboy drinks laying next to him. He also smelled Stetson and disappointment. Uh, and uh, he looked high and low for a certain cowboy. But it seemed like a certain hangman was missing. This, of course, brings out Hangman Page, who says, well, 
if you think it's me, you're wrong. Uh, I don't care about the bromance. I don't care about bloody laser tag or anything like that or the game of Clue who done it. And Joe's like, you made the mistake of thinking I'm a detective. What if I'm just out here as an executioner? Uh, and Paige is like, well, if you want to do something about it, then do it. And then we get a Samoa! And out comes uh, Roderick Strong and the kingdom. Uh, and uh, they say, uh, Joe, you should you should listen to Paige, who Strong called his young boy, which did tickle me. Um, and uh, he says, look, have you not seen what's happened? Jay White asks for a title match. He gets attacked. The acclaimed work with MJF. They get attacked. Two weeks ago, though, MJF's there. They can get him. No one lays a finger on him, basically. Uh, and then last week, we never saw anyone physically touch MJF. He was just revealed to be laying there. It's obvious. It's MJF. MJF is the devil. Come on, Joe. Um, and then uh, Roddy shoves Paige, who decks strong, and there's a stare down between Paige and Joe, and Roddy attacks from behind. The referee uh, appears and says, let's get this going. We get into the match. Before we get into that, let's talk about this opening promo, Sidge. Okay. I'm going to stand for AEW <laughs> a little bit, right? I think that this devil storyline hasn't been great for a different reason than a lot of people have said it's not been great. I think they've actually, with a lot of the red herrings, with the Adam Cole's click into the pen, mm -hmm. by staging the attacks in a certain way that kind of frames or indicts MGF, as Roderick Strong pointed out, I think they've taken a lot of care with it a lot of the time. It's flawed. It's flawed. Mm -hmm. I think more recently they've been a bit sharper and a bit more focused with it. Like, the fundamental error all along was JY didn't care, so why should we? Yes. They've moved past that, and if you're going to judge it fairly, in good faith, as you should, the last couple of weeks in terms of the plotting, in terms of the care put into it, in terms of not just missing open goals, I think there's a tighter, better, more dramatic job with it. I continue to, like, really hate the goofball, lame... Dark Order Creeper adjacent presentation, but in terms of the plotting, I think it's been a better couple of weeks for this. A uh, couple of weeks for the story. Another thing I want to praise about this opening verbal segment is that Roderick Strong said something actually funny for once. Mm -hmm. That wasn't just someone's name and an accent <laughs> in, 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 a, in a funny voice. Yeah. So there's that. And be that. between the pair of them, Joe and yeah, you're great at that. Between the pair of them, Joe and Hangman. Both acted as the audience surrogate for the people who didn't really like much of the pre-taped skits nor the TNA aesthetic trappings of this devil storyline at large. I've complained that AEW um, throughout the second half of um, 2023 has had pro wrestling and aid sports, sports entertainment mm -hmm. or the other way around. These uneasy, these philosophies sitting uneasily along, alongside one another the pre-taped skits, and then, like, the drastically, like, what the hell is, you know, Christian Cage taking so long to cheat Edge out of? You know mm. what I mean? And then, oh, must be clean finishes. So I think there is a bit of a philosophical, uneven quality to AEW, but this is one thing they've got right last night. They know people don't like it. They have sensed that not every single character should necessarily care who the devil is, which was becoming a part becoming a bad part of the storyline because Jay White was more preoccupied with that. At the same time, not selling it as he was winning that world title. Now you've got Joe and Hangman, like, basically getting it right. Mm. I just think they played a bit of a low-key blinder here. I 
love the Dadley Boys coming together about AEW around Christmas time. It warms <laughs> my heart, genuinely. Um, I have got more thoughts on the devilish thirds after the stuff at the end yeah. of Dynamite rather than yeah, what it we still got looks, still looks goofy as all hell. I love their And it's Jack Perry now. The devil Christmas jumpers with the little devil on the back. Oh, God. Like, but, uh, going, like going to like the Florida print. Yeah, the, the print shop to get them made. Like, what, what are these for? Oh, we, we, uh, we beat people up for the devil. Excuse me? Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> we need four jumpers. Uh, that's funny. But like, like, lots more thoughts added to that when we kind of cover that last segment. But uh, even before that, I think there would have been some weeks where you would have been, right, send out Joe and Hangman Page to do the old Monday Night Raw, elevate bad material thing, but didn't feel like they were having to do it. This was mm-hmm. fun Tank without... Later. <laughs> yeah, this was fun without it feeling like heavy lifting because, as Cedric points out, they had more weighty material with which to work with, like Jay White, partly of his own doing, but partly because I think they were still flapping a bit around the Adam Cole injury and when they might have deployed this devil idea. Nobody, like left hand, didn't really know what the right hand was doing with that at the very beginning. It's clearly not the case now. World's End as a destination is super helpful as well because everything feels pointed towards it. It's I think this was a really nice balance they struck by topping and tailing Dynamite from a production standpoint with Devil Stuff and then like chock filling the rest of the show with wrestling. This was the way to balance mm. that wrestling sports entertainment thing whilst directing you to the pay-per-view. The pay-per-view increasingly feels like something you have to be a part of for the big storyline payoff and the big wrestling payoff. Like, uh, that's good promotion, mm-hmm. regardless of what you actually think of the individual elements of it. Like, I'm going to be lower on the wrestling than I am on the bollocks on this show. <laughs> but both are driving me towards the pay-per-view, yeah. so that's the point. Yeah, so we got the match. Hangman Page versus Roderick Strong. As I mentioned, Roddy jumped him before the bell, so Page fights back. It's a fall-away slam, kip-up, sh- uh, standing shooting star gets a two-count. Strong gets back into it, though, some stomps in the corner. Uh, Page clotheslines him out to the floor, though, and hits a big dive. Uh, goes for his moonsault, but Mike Bennett's out there, uh, and he takes the ref, and Matt Taven distracts Hangman Page long enough for Strong to take control with a vicious backbreaker onto the top turnbuckle uh, that takes us to a break. When we come back, Strong goes for a jumping knee, but jumps right into a Death Valley driver for a two-count from Page, uh, who wanted a superplex, was biting Strong in the head, but Strong slid out. Page went for a moonsault, landed on his feet when he missed. Uh, Strong dodged, charged, and just ran straight into a pop-up powerbomb from Hangman Page for a two-count. Um, Page goes for the dead eye. Strong kicks out of it. Pancakes Page. Angle slam. Tiger driver into the stronghold. Um, Page manages to get to the ropes. Fights the apron. He's setting up for the book shot. But again, uh, Bennett takes the ref. Uh, Taven's trying to get involved. This time, Page knows what's about to happen. Hits Taven with a moonsault. Uh, Bennett's around there. Page hits a top rope moonsault onto both of them. Tries for the book shot, but obviously Strong's recovered enough to counter. Uh... There's a roll-up for a two. Strong gets to his feet and gets nailed with a dead eye from Hangman Page for the one, two, three. I thought they could work 50 more matches after this and every one of them would be better than this mm-hmm. one. While at the same time, elements of it were excellent. Yeah. It was just nice as a Hangman Page guy, as someone who thinks he should be prominent in storylines and in that universe, watching him just outwit these idiot heels, <laughs> crush them with his aerials, just to cut through the field. Like this really cool, witty, explosive, hard as nails, smarter than you baby face. Um, there's a certain backbreakers that just didn't really feel that snug. There was a bit where, there was the one bit where they were completely on the same page. It's when they were doing the dueling, discus, lariat, double knockdown spot. But like, it felt like, are you going to get there with this? It felt like clumsy in the best way, like that actually... Mm. 
in this really wa- roundabout way that had actually sort of caught each other mm. off guard. I it was good, not great, which mm-hmm. was the theme for a lot of the uh, of the wrestling. I don't think it was a blow away dynamite, um, at least in terms of the main event. But it's one of those where depends where your mileage varies. It depends on what your standards are. It depends on how much you can still be moved by the wrestling element of the wrestling show, which in itself is a little bit cold and flat these days. If you are happy with good, if you're happy with very good, I mean, I guess I was. The experience wasn't like, oh, this is boring. I was, I was enjoying it, but I wasn't going crazy. Yeah, I is think, that like a dickhead thing to say? No, like the thing I was most excited about was the thing they didn't deliver, which was like real hard-hitting physical chemistry. Like the like, Deadeye looked like yeah, <laughs> like they were on. There was points where they were just on different postcodes, and the things that they do. We were talking yet, so you got like the master of the backbreaker and the sick kick, and like Hangman Page. Just you always forget just how physically strong like he people is. have complained about him before. Yeah. <laughs> he's that stiff, like because he can do like these gorgeous moonsaults, and the like he just delivers the buckshot so gracefully. His crossbody as well. He flattens people. Yeah. He actually flattens people and doesn't do the high fives, which he did to Taven and. Uh, What's he called? Bennett. 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 Yeah. He's like a monster ass kicker. And like, oh, it was just devoid of that energy that like, and there was a, there was like a two way problem. And this is why I think it's always relevant when, and we get told off by people, why you talk about cold products. Like Texas has just been quite hot for AEW and there were points where they got there, but Arlington were pretty cold for this match. And that often affects it as well. There wasn't the atmosphere I maybe expected. And, Maybe that's AEW getting punished for the kind of half-in-half-out booking of Hangman Page. There was an instruction they gave the main event, which ties this point together, I think. Like, there was, you could sense, less so with Strong, but even then you could probably argue it was Strong. There was this feeling of the crowd, like, we can't give you much for these because you've not been giving us them. Mm -hmm. And I just think maybe on a different day, and there's clearly more days to come where these two will wrestle again, uh, it'll be better. I think, like, attached to the story that we expect them to be attached to going forward, I think they'll be... Ten better matches between these two. This, yeah, disappointment in terms of what you would have expected from this was almost a Tony Khan match graphic drop as a match, and it, it didn't get there. Uh, we move on to the Blue League and the Continental Classic, which is of course goated. Yes, and, it is. Uh, we'll talk more about it on Friday and Monday, of course, with Collision, and we got Brody King versus Andrade El Idolo, uh, and they beat the piss out of each other basically um, early on. Andrade's bigger, but he's not Brody King big. Um, and he's sort of in control is Andrade. And King just rises up and nails and flattens Andrade with a shoulder tackle and a sent on. There's a chop battle. What do you make of the chops on this show, by the way? Again, by the third or fourth match, I was like, oh. I was a little bit, you know. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. I was thinking to myself, my internal monologue <laughs> Basically saying... You're joking. Not another one? A bit samey. A bit samey, these Continental Classic matches, which is one of my few pedantic complaints about the tournament at large, which mostly I'm really into and grateful for and earnestly enjoying. But I it's just it's an infestation of chops in AEW. It's probably been this way for ages, and I've only just started to tire of it. Again, like... Reviewing art and content this is weird. <laughs> and everyone's got, like, literally everyone's got a different opinion. Yeah. And my job is to tell you mine. My job is to try and articulate the mood, if you like. Um, maybe people just will watch Chops all the live long day. But I do think there is the whole idea with AEW and how it's sort of it's the Major League debut. 
of the indie scene of the early 2000s. I've been watching matches heavy on chops for years and years and years and years and years. And maybe at this point, I'm like, okay, okay, don't go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just yeah. a bit, it's getting a bit much for me now. Getting a bit much. Especially because we've seen the... But I mean, the chop, but then again, individually ba- individual yeah. basis. I mean, the chops in here, I'm like, yeah. Mm. Um, so they have a chop battle. Andrade almost gets uh, caught in a sleeper, but he escapes. Top rope crossbody gets a one count. King rolls to the floor. Andrade hits a moonsault off the second rope. Um... They go back in the ring. Uh, Andrade gets chopped back out to the floor. Um, uh, and that takes us to a picture-in-picture picture where we see a vicious crossbody on Andrade against the barricade from Brody King, which is just... I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. Oh, my God. I did. Um, Amazing. We come back. Andrade dodges a corner charge, so King goes headfirst into the buckle. Um Multiple dragon screws from an Andrade. Finally takes Brody King down with a flying forearm. Hits a body slam. Goes up top. Perfect split-legged moonsault for a two-count. Goes for the double knees. King dodges it uh, and just takes his head off with a lariat for a near fall of his own. Hits the corner cannonball. Um, Andrade manages to escape, though, uh, at two. Dodges a gonzo bomb. It's just big shots now. King goes for another lariat. Andrade hits that spinning back elbow of his. Takes too long going up top, so Brody King cuts him off. But he can't hit the superplex. Instead, Andrade falls back, and uh, Brody King gets sent headfirst onto the exposed part of the turnbuckle. Andrade hits his DDT and gets the surprise victory. Indeed. Um, in many ways, I'm an idiot. Give me IKEA furniture with the instructions and the tools, and my mind will just go, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, anything practical? Yeah. Or like solution, like puzzles. When I play video games and I'm confronted with a puzzle, like the amount of times I've spent in Zelda temples before just giving up, <laughs> just giving up. I want to do it. I've got no idea. Do you ever have that where you're you're doing something like that and you're like, oh, I, I get get to a point where I'm like, I'm gonna have to just get a YouTube tutorial. And I search YouTube tutorial and it's like a six year old going, here's how you do it. I'm like, oh for God's sake, <laughs> you make it look so goddamn yeah. easy. But at the same time, I'm not. I think everyone's clever and idiotic in different ways, right? I'm not an idiot where I'm like, who's a goodie and who's a buddy, right? <laughs> but part of the problem, and it's a, sometimes it's a bit of a fun, like, sort of, I don't know, byproduct, if you like, of, like, say, Jay White and Jay Lethal last week, two dickhead heels trying to out-dickhead one another. That's something you don't see on regular episodic North American telly. And for good reason, those matches don't really work. But when you get so few of them, they can. Mm. This match did suffer for me for a little bit of, I appreciate how stiff you're going here, and it's kind of just as well. I don't really feel anything for Andrade playing situa- situational babyface mm. because he was out gouging Brian Danielson's <laughs> eye last week. And, you know, he doesn't seem that interested in being there, and that energy can filter through. Um but maybe I'm the outlier on Andrade. If I'm looking on social media on my ex and my curated timeline, and again, bubble, not a good sample. People are turning around and getting big on Andrade, I've noticed. I'm still not there yet, personally. Um, but the crowd really got into this. I, and Andrade's individual performance was like people were glowing about mm. it. Was, didn't necessarily go that nuts, but, you know, being impartial and all in good faith. Like, people loved this match. I merely really liked it because um, at certain points, they were hitting each other so goddamn hard <laughs> that it was impossible not to just get glued to the screen. Um, but I did struggle to get into it at the start because that 
dynamic. And again, maybe I'm being a total hypocrite here. And, you know, can you ever be happy? Because I've campaigned for this tournament com- like competition away from the babyface heel dynamics and the heels have to do interference and stuff. So maybe I am being a little bit, a tiny, tiny bit, uh, what CM Punk say, sullen <laughs> about it. Um, but my God, I got into a big time at the end. On the people, Sid was referring to there, I think. I was really, really high on this. I thought this was the best thing on the undercard by a billion miles. And really, it was like on an island versus the rest of the wrestling. Like, this was X compared to Threads. Like, oh, other, gosh, than, yeah. other than the main event. Like, I don't know if it's because Brody King is just, like, a perfect example. I could sense Andrade winning throughout. Yeah. Which I wouldn't have gone for. Well, but it also worked as the story. Yeah, like the bold, like booking of having Andrade go over, which I agree with such completely. You could feel yeah, he's going to topple this guy. Mm. Like, if somebody was going to do it's it. It's really I, well worked in that regard. Yeah, I didn't think anyone was going to, and he's going to do this. And he's not even going to do it like the mega strategic way. He's going to out-batter him. That takes some doing. You know, this, I would argue, and did, in my ups and downs, as you can read at whatcoach.com forward slash WWE, that this was a more effective method of getting Andrade over as this killer, even if it's just to be sacrificed to Miro on his way out the door. This was more effective than him re-breaking Brian Danielson's eye mm. because a lot of people have gone for Danielson's eye. It was Okada that put him in the, the eye patch in the first place. This was doing what nobody else has done, which has stopped Brody King. It was a victory for tournament booking. Because Brody King is a character, like I know, like you have to be kind of delicate in how you approach the House of Black in terms of criticizing them. But I would say this is the most over he's ever been. Mm-hmm. Slightly separated from the, the nonsense and the trios matches and the like, just less important stuff that they sometimes get up to. He feels like a threat, a big deal. He's a new Lance Archer for a world champion. If you want to have a first challenger, there's your guy. Now the tournament has created that in Brody King, and Andrade has just briefly stopped him in his tracks. Coupon so, buster, a coupon buster indeed. He himself, that's what they call it, yeah. Andrade at the moment is like this hybrid of like 1990 Scott Steiner. Kind of bracket burster. I don't know. Bracket. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a hybrid of 1990 Scott Steiner and 2000 Scott Steiner. <laughs> and so, like that's, that might be the perfect wrestler, actually. Yeah. Uh, I, I I've often I'd... argued that if you, uh, the, Scott Steiner is the best composite professional wrestler ever. If you can take that attitude mm. and fuse it with the 90s athleticism and power and innovation... And then the banter. And that and body. Then, and then the attire and the body. Yeah. He's got it all. Uh, Andrade's like going for all those bits of that. I, it's, it was, it was like sort of, wow, I've never seen the narcissist Lex Luger fly around like that before. Yeah. It's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there were just loads and loads to love about this. It just differentiated itself from like everything else on the show, like other than the main event. And uh, it's Brody King. Like Brody King might be the like quietest but loudest success story this whole tournament. He's a bit of a made man off this. Did you love what came next? Renee Paquette's backstage with the Von Eriks. Um, Kevin says he loves AEW. So many friends here. In comes Orange Cassidy, Dan Housen, Trent Barretta. Uh, Cassidy says, I've got a match on Rampage. And he asks Ross and Marshall uh, to team with him. And they do all the hands in. Six man coming up on Rampage. And, and that was it, really. It can be both. And I'm saying that now to cut what I believe is going to be some criticism I might get for this off at the pass. This was a partial bait and switch because AW exists in the content space like everyone else does now, and they are more than entitled to use something to sell Rampage with. Like, you know, we've talked about a match that might be worth going out of the way, but I'm going to have to watch this Von Eric's thing because I want to see him in front of the live crowd. 
But I kind of feel like that was what the graphic promised me. Yeah. And I sort of felt like, oh, when they flashed up on screen, I'm describing my feelings. When they flashed up on screen with Renee, I'm like, oh, this is all I'm getting. Mm. You bastards. Like, it was, it was You're not screwing the crowd, obviously, because they're getting that as part of the rampage. And we'll get it eventually. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, the yeah. irony of that well, we'll was... We'll get it tomorrow. The, the yeah. irony of that was, you heard that pop in the building, and then it was diluted because they never get the audio mixing right. And it never, like, <laughs> it's like, oh, they're in this weird hollow corridor with Renee. I feel a bit angry and sad now. So, like, it gave me that feeling whilst yeah. I can also accept why they did what they did. I was pretty disappointed. I was a bit disappointed, but at the same time, I can wait a day yeah. or two to see them actually do what they do. But the graphic read, if we're being very pedantic about this, yeah. the Von Eriks returned two dollars. The graphic did not read, the Von Eriks return to the AW corridor <laughs> that exists in every building, no matter which town they're in. What a graphic that would be. The Von Eriks. Wonder what's going on with Danhausen's hat. Yeah. <laughs> like, you would get less hype for, for that, being yes. corridor. <laughs> but, you know, we're going to get it in two days. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be Big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try? It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash what culture um right here we go next up uh, the golden jets came out oh boy can you make i was i was in pain watching this uh, what the f- <laughs> I've got nothing for you man. right got nothing left inside <laughs> i've got nothing left inside me let alone for you michael hamflet so Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho come out. Uh, Golden Jets chance. Uh, Kenny says... Winnipeg I'm... Jets. <laughs> Get it right. He doesn't even know his own f***ing tag team name. He nearly started talking as the fans finished singing Judas. I forgot. I never watched that before. Jericho's force fed me this f***ing thing for four years, and you've never sat backstage in Gorilla and been forced to sit through it yourself, Kenny. He's too busy filming BTE. Where's the lie? So... Hey guys, great. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Jesus, Kenny. So, 
yeah, Kenny said, I had no idea what the words to Jericho's song were. Thanks for that. <laughs> Jericho's got an arm brace on. Talks about, talks about how Ricky starts some big meal. Attacked him after the press conference of full gear. Get your ass out here, basically. Uh, and they walk out. Um, Starks looks resplendent. Big Bill's got some sunglasses on, even though he's inside. Um, Starks says, I haven't got a problem with you, Kenny. Uh, thank you for AEW. Uh, Jericho, you suck the life out of everything. Uh, he talks about the inner circle, the JAS, and he says, Kenny, can you truly trust Chris Jericho? Uh, and Bill said, yeah, if, if Jericho attacked you at any moment, no one would really be surprised. Now, Omega's like, that's what you're basing this on, is it? My trust of Jericho. Do I trust Jericho? I don't trust him. He knows that. And uh, if we want to talk about let's talk about track records, let's look at the firm. Remember that? I don't. Firm? <laughs> more like fly. Oh, Kenny. Firm, more, more like flaccid. Well, less firm and more uh, swaft. So. <laughs> Fear more golden jets. I know. <laughs> I was absolutely devastated, man. Anyway, yeah. An absolute sickener. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, we're going to have our tag team title match at World's End. Uh, <laughs> we're the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> The whole promo was going to be around, you lose don't even have a name. Well, you don't even know your own. <laughs> no. Are you freaking out, mate? That was what they were going to sell, a $50 pay-per-view after the most expensive holiday of the year. And this was the idea. Yep. Uh, we're going to have our tag team title show. absolutely f***ed it. <laughs> we're going to have our tag team title show at World's End, or our name isn't the Winnipeg Jets. <laughs> <laughs> So, right, starts, accepts the challenge uh, and talks about the fact that he's beaten Chris Jericho before, before Bill corrects him and says, actually, you've beaten him twice, mate. Um, you beat him at a pay-per-view. And Stark said, look, we might not have a team name. Does anyone give a <laughs> Does anyone give a single <laughs> about what they're doing here? It was so like, you know, the frigging deadline one. Yeah, really, we'll just gun it in the ring. It's like, <laughs> all right, we've basically got to sell this stupid last-minute CM Punk. It doesn't mean anything, but we'll fart about it in the ring. They did this with, like, a tag team uh, title match. We'll, we'll call it out there. No, 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 no. 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 So, Stark said, we haven't even got a team name, but we don't need one. And Jericho's like, ah, 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 I've got some ideas. It's one of those ones where I was watching this going, is this actually happening? <laughs> I couldn't look at their faces. By oh, the my God. Way. It was horrific. I could horrific. not make eye contact with the wrestlers on the telly. I was is, there a, is there a photo on your ups and downs, the Kenny Omega photo you showed me? It's it's the one high-res Kenny Omega photo they've uploaded from last night's show. Yes, there'll be loads more. AW, like, press are great for this event, like, on a sort of Thursday afternoon. But, like, it's one picture of Kenny sort of leaning over the ropes going, that's a good Al. <laughs> it's just crestfallen. <laughs> Well, thanks for the picture. So uh, your options. Thanks for the extra contract. <laughs> yeah. Your options are uh, the absolute assholes. Don't feel free to. Don't you have to wait till the end to laugh? Oh. <laughs> I, I had to laugh there. Sorry, it was so funny. That's, uh, hang on, I just got that because absolute and asshole mm. begin with the same letter. You allowed to do. You allowed to do alliteration with two. That's words. Yeah. Like I'm not like come on, SummerSlam, Survivor Series. That's the goal. Like Clash of the Champions, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You, like you're allowed to do two. Everybody gets two. Everyone gets yeah. two. That's yeah. the rule. It's when you are a <laughs> who tries to do a <laughs> sentence 
with the one with every single word in it beginning with the same letter. Yeah. That's when we have problems. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's when we have big problems when you are a hack to me and I have no respect. Just pure. Stop looking utter, in the eyes when you say this. I'll stop. I'll stop. It's, it's not about you. So, Total disdain I have. You didn't like absolute assholes. What about the Rick and the Dick? <laughs> I'm gonna. Can then like, okay. I make it like you're doing this wrong. Come on. Oh, come on. Yeah, you are doing it wrong, Jericho. <laughs> there needs to be wordplay. There needs to be wordplay. And they go, ah, oh, got it. Fun's like, okay. You know, rule of three. Two balance, but but wants to really nail them at the end. Big big Billy Starks. That's somebody's name. It, yeah, that's the Jeez, joke. Caliber. Oh, yeah, that's because Billy Stokes is fighting, fighting on the bless, back. Bless him for trying to sell a frigging ring on a pay per view yeah. off the, one of the worst lines in AW history, by the way. It was one of the worst lines in AW history. If I'm being in, uh, exceptionally generous, if he cares about anything, and even from the start, Kenny Omega's cared about the women in yeah. AW. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was trying to give her a shout out. I don't know. In the, in the lamest possible way, I, I, I don't care. I'd like, you know, you know. You know, uh, we sort of debate when things get over in buildings. Like, do you just, you know, I don't no, this doesn't count. This does no, not no. count. Jericho, Chris Jericho, a guy that, like, should and could and typically does know better, just begged for a ch- And then you heard that chant. You got like a dozen people doing it. It's like, you cannot have that. That doesn't one. count. It does you not count. have that one. What was the one The Rock did? Where he got it, like, there was too many syllables in it. I mean, it was loud. You are an, you are an uh, asshole. Yeah. You're an asshole. Yeah. Rock if you want any advice <laughs> on how to cut promos. But Ricky Starks literally just Come lets to me. it die. <laughs> lets it die and goes, well, that fell flat. <laughs> Three names, no jokes. <laughs> he says, like, <sighs> I can excuse those names, but I can't excuse your uh, best of hot topic outfit. Um, talks about. And then off, but so you pointed this out, Sitch. We sort of talked about this on, on X while we've been working in separate rooms today. Nobody got out of this innocent, by the way. No, no one <laughs> like, came out of this alive. No. Um, talks about clout vampire. Jericho says he's no clout vampire. And I've got any hot axe to glom onto anymore. <laughs> Have you th- like, that's the one good the one good news about AW being cold <laughs> and flat is that there's no one hot for Chris Jericho to ruin. Say, who says I'm a pessimist? I like the bit where I got Honestly, real... Honestly, he's going to work swerving about a month. I got real... Oh, God, you've just said it. it was, nobody no. was going to say that, Sid. We all agreed. No, <laughs> like you, you know who has said it? Who? Chris Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I think he has. Mr. C. Irvine. It's a bit too obvious. <laughs> Having a chat backstage with uh, Chris Richard Fleer. I, <laughs> I got real uh, Soccer Saturday, Charlie Nicholas, Jeff Stelling vibes from him saying, ah... Oh, I'm no clout vampire, but if, if I was, I wouldn't be a clout vampire for you, probably, uh, Ricky. Did Ricky Starks use the words clout vampire? I can't remember. Early on he, in the he promo, did in the, he said... He, he, did, he did in the first in the singles program. Yes, yes. That's fair, because like, early on he said, yeah, he sucked the life out of all it, and then he, I thought, he hasn't said those words, Chris. You can't, you can't volunteer that turn of phrase, like, yourself. You can't, well, like, you can't have to do a Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he says, all I see is a better-dressed, less charismatic Enzo Amore. Uh, and Omega says, give Enzo credit. At least he made Big Beal look good and didn't take all of his spotlight. $50 they want off you for that. I know, I know, I know, I know. So Ricky fires up, says... This is, this is an absolute atrocity. <laughs> 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 no one cares about you. No one cares about you, Chris. No one in the back. I'm tired of Jericho and Omega. It's starting to piss me off. 
Yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> you want the titles? Come and get them. Uh, yeah, if you think you're the, we're the best, if you think you're the best, and you prove it, you Winnipeg scumbags. And now Mega goes, oh, time for the catchphrase. Does the catchphrase. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure he tripped over that as well. <laughs> adieu, adieu, uh, bang, bang. <laughs> See you later, guys. That's not you, Kenny. That's another wrestler. <laughs> the way I tell him. Because <laughs> Jericho closes the door. <laughs> Bye, Kenny. I've got a few things to say about this. I'm sure you do. I'm trying to get into the spirit of the burial. I've had fun. It's time to get serious now. It is time to get serious now. This is an absolute disaster. This was an atrocity. <laughs> um, I We spoke on the preview yesterday. Um, you preview Dynamite as well as review it. Yeah. Um, wherever you get your podcasts from, of course. That... This has been so basic and so phoned in and just Tony Khan just like, right, okay, we'll do this and we'll do that and then we'll do that. Uh, well, it's basically, I think this is all a backdrop for the book's return. So let's just do it. Blah, 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 blah. It's either a backdrop for the book's return or this whole Starks and Big Bill tag team title reign. It's been some kind of really tiresome game. And this is a conspiracy theory that I have not read, that I'm uh, echoing, that I've read on, that I've not said, but I've read online that FTR and the Bucks just don't want to work with each other because no one wants to put each other over or whatever, oh. and that's why they've shifted yeah. all the way around, whatever. Because what happened to the Bucks not shaking FTR's hands? Oh, yeah. Ooh, we'll get yeah. you back for that next year. No, I don't think that was ever the idea. Anyway, whatever this is, it's been so basic. You have the faces win the chance to contend for the titles. The heels do what all the heels do all the freaking time, I guess. It's wrestling. You have to do it. Beat up the baby faces so they can get like an advantage or, you know, to to raise their ire and to evoke from them a fired up baby face promo and then you get this. <laughs> and I said on the preview, if you're going to do the most basic, uninspired, obligatory plotting imaginable, which this program has been so far, you have to elevate it. You have to raise the emotional stakes, the temperature, the heat, the buzz with just world-class promo work. That's all you kind of want. Eddie Kingston, CM Punk did that exact same thing on the eve of full gear 2021, right? They had this incredible... They took something even worse than just a backstage attack and then a promo. They did an interrupted backstage promo yeah. and they turned it into art. Mm. Leave it, Eddie's not worth it sort of thing, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Like Eddie's constantly... His, he had a temper tantrum and, Eddie, and CM Punk was like, I've got time for my promo. And Shivani was like... I've run out. And then CM Punk was like, oh, Eddie, irresponsible, em emotional Eddie. Never going to get it. Yeah. Not a professional. He didn't realize it was my time. And then that fed mm. the anger. And it was world class. It was simple ingredients. And we take the piss, but they actually cooked those simple <laughs> ingredients to perfection. This is the simple ingredients, and they've burnt it. <laughs> They've absolutely incinerated. <laughs> you burnt it. You burnt my passion. You burnt my passion. Burnt my toast. <laughs> and I tell you what, right? I know we said at the start, they're going to be like nice about dynamite and all the rest <laughs> of it, right? You're not allowed. I, you know, I forbid it. You are not allowed to say, "Oh, Sage, oh, you need a little break." You start. <laughs> Do you need a little bit of a break? Uh, you sound a little bit burned out, right? Break Maverick. You're, f you're forbidden, right? <laughs> Who sounds a little bit burnt out? Who sounds a little bit jaded? 
Do you, want to, do you want to know who sounds a little bit disinterested in what he's doing right now? It's Kenny by God Omega. My God, what was this? It was heartbreaking to see. Yeah, yeah. It was heartbreaking to see, right? Like, the patter was criminal. The timing was all over the place. Like, I will never, ever, ever remember <laughs> that was good in 1999, Chris. I've got something to say about that as well. Ever, ever, ever campaign for writers. And it's too late now, they've got them. But, you know, there's still a... Obviously, there's a degree of latitude, because what was this? Like, it's one thing to say, you know, I never have writers, okay? It's the closest I came to, you know, get good words in. <laughs> Give it good words. Give it good words season. till the end of the season when you know you're in the sh**. So, oh, you know, you're you bringing know. his it's, it's basically you're bringing the rock. This, <laughs> segment was so, this segment was so bad, I can understand when you're like, oh, it's 12 games left. Yeah, we are facing relegation. That in the face. I'd never want. I'd never have asked for this in the best of times. But get Allardyce in. That's yeah. Big Sam. That's it. Get Sam Allardyce in. Get Gewirtz in to tighten this stuff up. It's absolutely abysmal. It's one thing to say get we'll writers it. in, which again, I was being facetious and snarky. I would never campaign for. Isn't the whole point that you might have bullet points? <laughs> Well, the bullet points for this. All right, we've got the bullet points here. You know, you can use your own lines. You can, uh, you can do it in your own characters. You can use your own voice. You're Chris Jericho, you know how to do this. Do you? Like, at least, what are the bullet points for this? You might not have bullet points. These are the points you want to get across. Insult each other a bit. Make it funny. Do another angle next week or whatever. Team name. Question mark. What was this? What was this? What was this? It was the worst thing. I've, it might have been one of the worst things in Dynamite history. The more I delve into it, the more I think about it, the more I see how like dispassionately it was all performed, right? Like, the whole idea was you don't have a tag team name, right? Therefore, you are um, not as much of a tag team as us. Well, you're not a tag team, <laughs> actually, because you're going to stab him in the back or he's capable of stabbing you in the back. Yeah, I don't care about that. Well, why are you tagging with him then? If you're not mates and you don't trust him and it's not the enemy of my enemy is my friend, literally, why are Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega a tag team? Because I just don't get it. Because they, don't, they both don't like Don Callis. Mm. Right, okay. And well, how well, defeated cool. him sounds like. Cool, guess what? You defeated him as part of the street fight. As part of the street fight, okay? Right. That Okay. That's one thing. That's one thing. But, right, why is it still a team? Oh, because the books have annoyed you into teaming together, mm -hmm. and then you've, you're now stuck with each other, and that's the story, apparently. They don't trust each other. They don't really get on. There's no chemistry whatsoever. It's a miracle that Wrestle Kingdom match was as great as it was in retrospect mm -hmm. because the, the double or nothing main event wasn't that great. Yeah. This tag team sucks. Are you saying they should go their separate ways? And if you should live, I'll give you love. Please go your separate ways. I'm begging. I'll, I'll make the video package myself. <laughs> Set to separate ways by journey. If you just get away from each other forever. The whole idea of this is... You make special. Rick and the dick. If you get away from the rotten material... I'm sorry, I've got three more things to say. Yeah, yeah. The rotten material <laughs> speaks for itself. It's going to get memed to death. It's going to haunt them, and it should haunt them for the rest of their careers, right? Get away from that. Other people are going to bury it. It's been buried already, right? The premise of the story is Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega aren't a real tag team. They don't trust each other, and they're literally, at this point, stuck with each other because they won contendership from the books, right? Okay, and the books drove them further together a bit, Right, okay, cool. Starks and Big Bill's entire act, which kind of sucks, and not enough people have put uh, um, put this across, is that, oh, we don't really like each other or get on or even talk to each other before these um, promos that we do when we're on different pages, um, but it just kind of works. 
Does it? Does it? Because I'm increasingly convinced <laughs> that it doesn't. It did for a while, but now I'm not so sure. The sitcom where they like both walk through the revolving door and they just can't catch up with each other. He's too big and I'm too small. <laughs> two times. Oh, you're top, top of the escalators. I'll come up. Oh, I'm coming down on the escalators. <laughs> two Click belts on the way. Two tag teams. Make a network. Two tag teams that barely like each other, that barely trust each other, that barely talk to each other, that barely understand why they're together, trading the worst insults you've ever heard at one another <laughs> in a race to the bottom where no one comes out looking good. This might be the worst, the single worst tag team segment of all time, and I'm not joking. Two more things very quickly while running low on time. This is just, this has really pissed me off. The other thing I want to talk about is Chris Jericho. I am one of the biggest Chris Jericho, or I was, one of the biggest Chris Jericho defenders. I was always trying to maintain perspective about Chris Jericho. I was always trying to remind people, look, yes, he's an uneven guy, but the peaks are just so funny. Mm. And, you know, he's still capable of awesomeness. Like the Roderick Strong matches, the, the Ishii matches. Yeah. Quake by the lake. One of yeah, Quake by the lake is incredible. I'm counting him out now. But, I mean, I'm trying to manifest something decent from this guy for once in the past time of many months. Like, he has outlived his usefulness in AEW. And the whole deal of, you know, you know, kind of Chris Jericho, I'm kind of smarter than the rest of the guys. Um, what I'll do is I'll go away. I know when my time is up, but I can always come back and reinvent myself, right? The reason why he did that, Jericho, is because you were smart enough at the time to realize your position in WWE. You were never the top guy. You never really had Vince's ear. More than most, but he was never going to do what you said all of the time or even half of it. You just knew, right, I'm the B-plus player in WWE. Never pushed as a guy by his own admission. And he would go away he would avoid that TV stink. He was clever, come back, and he could do these things, right? No one's telling him to go away. Like, he gets everything through on TV, seemingly that he wants. Why would he leave this? Cushy gig, gets all of his cool ideas that he likes through, and, like, he thinks he's, he's like, he's just, it's gone to his head, all of this, and he needs a break from AEW. He's never been less of a concern, and it's becoming, if I'm the one who's saying, go away now, it must be bad. Ricky Starks, there's a movement online that he saved this, or he was unfairly... Like, the material by the Golden Jets was horrendous. I hate the Golden Jets. It's dragging down Kenny Omega, my favorite wrestler of all time. Right, this is not a staunch defense of that promo and that performance. Since October, this is the third, like, really, really awkward promo segment that Ricky Starks has been involved with. And I'm not saying he's a bad talent. He's an incredible talent. But he's got this knack, and I don't know what it is about him. Like, he just makes these things so awkward, or more awkward than they need to be. The Copeland thing, mm -hmm. he had this, we reviewed it on Collision, just a promo with um, Big Bill when they were talking about the Chicago Bulls, and, oh yeah, I don't even know why I'm with him. Like, what? What was that one? Remember he got like, it was when he was a baby face, and he got jumped one week. And there was a promo the following week where I was like, that was the craziest thing that happened in my life! <laughs> and it was like, because he'd kind of gone off the deep end, he was like, well, I can't draw this back, so I'm going to have to end it on there. He's, uh, like, he needs... He needs lines or like he needs clearer bullet points than what he's getting. Maybe I'm trying to stay with you on the no writers, but it's like I, he I'm, needs something. I'm telling you now. Yeah, he's. I've never known a wrestler right, and the, the Copeland thing was awkward. And he's just had all these awkward moments where remember he turned face and he was like making fun of people with speech impediments. Yeah, he's had these. He's had so many clunkers. Not enough people talk about this for me, where he kind of needs like a proper like focus. Mm. Um. Don't know what it is, but he has been involved and has been the common denominator in so many awkward AEW promo segments and moments that I think, uh, you know, I just don't think the blame should lie entirely with Chris Jericho and Kenny Omega. It's useless, as useless as they were in this segment. Cut me off. I'll talk about this for days. 
I so just covered most of that. Like the, the like the visual reminder for me of just how bad this was forever was that basically Chris Jericho comes out with the equivalent of Steve Austin's knee brace on his arm and then goes, Big Billy Starks, uh, score draw then, we're even. <laughs> like in, in the storyline, it's like, right, well, I've covered off that uh, brutal backstage attack because I've absolutely destroyed you with my verbal dexterity. Mm. And now it's 1 1, so we'll meet at the pave. Like, Stop. that's. That's. Over the shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Come on, babes. <laughs> go let's get out of here. Let's, Kenny. Go, let's go out of there. Oh, yeah, get out of there. Sorry, keep talking. I can't Anything do anything oh, I've got nothing left. <laughs> okay. It's uh, pathetic. Timeless Tony Storm comes out oh. uh, to join commentary for the next match. Mariah May's there as well. Uh, she asks if she wants, if they'd prefer to do for her to do colour or play play by play. Uh, that wasn't bad. Yeah, there it is. Storm calls. Yeah, it's good because the rest was. Storm calls Taz a Tasmaniac and says Luther's got a case of the gout. Uh, and then we get Ruby Soho versus Riho. Soho attacks at the bell. Riho bridges out of a pin though. Hit quick drop kick from uh, from her running corner knee. Bridging suplex gets a two count for Riho. Uh, wheelbarrow into the double stomp. Soho tries with a back superplex in the corner, but gets caught up in the ropes. And Riho hits that double stomp uh, and waves at Tony Storm to take us to a break. She's so she had the face quite a bit. Mm-hmm. The same face. <laughs> like I think this was an example of the act overwhelming. What they're trying to yeah. do. Yeah, this was this was not a good week for this. I think they realised that could be a good reaction meme on yeah. Twitter or X. So we need to film it six times just to make sure we definitely capture it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So Rio's in trouble when we come back from the break, but she gets back into it with a head scissors. Tiger faint kick, a uh, big cross body off the top gets two. Uh, they sort of trade pin attempts. Soho gets up, hits a Saito suplex. Uh, at this point, Storm. Calls for her close up, and we just cut to that. Uh, whilst Riho is hitting a crucifix bomb for two, uh, Riho missed the top rope stomp. Soho nails her with no future, but can only get a two count. I can't it believe did it did not connect at all. Uh, Riho avoids destination unknown, counters a guillotine into a northern lights, followed by a dragon suplex, charging double knees. One, two, three. They never know if they're overdoing it with timeless Tony Storm until they're in it. I think that's that's. I'm trying to like. I'm trying to figure out why some weeks it works for me, and some weeks it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the reality. They always like dive in two footed and hope that it comes out great. And just sometimes it doesn't. This was like I say, her gimmick. The whole thing just completely overwhelmed the match. The match never really stood a chance. It reminded me of sometimes when a match takes place and the commentators just too interested in something else, mm-hmm. like who's in the main event or whatever. In this case, it was timeless Tony Storm. Not there was a lot to take from the match, truthfully. And I I can't decide if I admire or just treat should treat with disdain. The AEW now do their own version of those insincere Twitter side-by-side law posts when it was like, and if you remember, Riho's last match was six months ago against the Outcasts when they were together. Let's not pretend that one thing is tethered to the other here. Like yeah, that. let's not pretend that Riho cares because yeah. you cannot possibly believe that. Otherwise, should be in the buildings yeah. seeking a revenge, like, getting a vengeance. I'd admire the continuity more if... They did. They, that's pathetic. Like, if she d- if she'd really, come in and it was really the first thing Excalibur said, oh, Rio's it. Like, last week, we were just like, Rio's back, she gets a shot, because that's what happens in women's wrestling AEW. If it, the first thing Excalibur said was, like, she's been nursing injuries and telling people she's going to get revenge on the outcasts. Use the footage. But she's not been nursing injuries, has she? No, but, like, she hasn't worked on Dynamite in six months <sighs> since then. It's crap, like, oh, you cannot... Mm. I, it's worth doing if they you are do very it right. They though. are very lucky they've got Riho and Hikaru Shida on top on tap a few times a year because mm. mm. they've got such an inherent enduring appeal. Yeah, that's got now to do with the booking. I feel like well, they are. I guess like they're AW originals, aren't they? So they're like they're true to the core of the promotion, even as it moves yeah. further away from whatever that was. Yeah, um, Dis- distracting from a pretty tepid affair. 
She needs to change that finish as well, Ruby Soho. It looks, even when she vaguely strikes it, she just looks like she's bumping herself. Not good. I'll just quickly check my notes. And, uh, oh yeah, there's the only uh, only women's match on the card. No which means, uh, before we move on, before we even get to the name of the game, uh, Sage, what's the aim of the game? We identify to the hour, minute, and second when you get the uh, the first entrance note, when you hear the first entrance note for the first entrance theme for the first women woman to emerge for the only match, only women's match on Dynamite, just to put in bold and italicize and underscore that this is just drivel, that this is apathetic, obligatory, a terrible optics exercise, self-defeating, um, because otherwise people would complain about where the bloody birds are, right? And there's a, a we have a jingle uh, to uh, remind people of this, and it's uh, this is the thought process within AEW, and it's a tacit thing to like the blokes, the millennial blokes that they played to and have done for four years. When the woman come out to play, the main event ain't too far away, and that's the aim of the game. The name of the game as well. <laughs> this is late as night, and I'm thinking, oh, 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 oh what a night! Ah, Christmas Eve. Uh, shout out as always to Adam. Oh, there's a covenant, so am I. Oh, I'm not, but honestly, <laughs> shout out as oh always God, to a humiliation fetish, apparently. <laughs> Adam Blair at Adam Wilson four and Jose Palomares at the Ho Eleven, who always take care of the um, data. Yes, for this sort of thing. And, uh, yeah, we booked it better than Tony Khan books the women's division in Adam Blair's words because the final 2023 standings, this being the final AW Dynamite preview and reviews that we're going to do for the year, uh, we'll just do correct guesses because I got 22 wrong this year. Seven for me, 11 for Michael Sidgwick, and 11 for Michael Pamphlet. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a tie which means we go to a tiebreaker, which the brilliant Adam Blair has sent to me for... Oh. Describe it for the people who are just on audio. <laughs> Our wonderful Ladies' Night trophy. The thank you again to Adam Blair. Thank you. Us. What a hell of a guy as well. We've met him. Ladies' Night What Culture Champion 2023. Ah. Thank you, Adam. Who of the Michaels is going to win it, though? So, even got Did you win it last year? I won it last so year. So nobody's ever retained... No. Oh my god! Oh, what is this? So you this need pen. Here's uh, the gimmick's gonna get found out. Watch this. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't, work. doesn't work, man. So I just don't like it. I don't like watching. Do you want to know the law of the pen for Christmas? Yeah. yeah. I don't like looking at f***ing YouTubers' hands. <laughs> <laughs> I like Mr. Burns on that um, baseball episode of uh, Spring uh, <laughs> The Simpsons. <laughs> so basically, I'm thinking, well. I understand why YouTubers have got dickheaded hands mm. because what, what do you do with them? Yeah. So I, that's why I've got the pen. So I've got something to hold. Do that act again, Sidge, with that pen. Oh, I'm a Golden Jets promo submit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Adam Blair, yeah, sent me this question. I just want you, it's, it's, it's a, you just have to guess a number. But just so you don't, the person Six. doesn't go first. <laughs> so you don't go first and then you want to say it's one higher or lower. Uh, Adam Blair sent me this message on X. It's a tie. What booking? Tiebreaker for all the marbles. In the 50 episodes of Dynamite this year, there have been 50 women's matches. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> of course there has, but like... But how many have been in the penultimate slot on oh. the cards? Oh. Feel free to, to play along at home. 
In the 50 episodes of Dynamite this year, there have been 50 women's matches. How many have been in the penultimate slot on the card? Uh, Adam also says the annual Ladies' Night quiz will be incoming in the new year. Looking forward to that one as well. Thank you. Uh, who wants to go you. first with their guests? Well, we're not going to just put them all up at the same time. Yeah. So, so we'll put them up at the same time, and then one, two, three, say it for the people on audio. Okay. Yes. Okay, are we ready? Yeah. We've got the shot, Nicholas? Yes. You probably won't see it, but... Yeah, it's, it's not going to be okay. seen. <laughs> one, two, three. 25. 15-match gap between us there. Honestly, man, they've been taking the piss. Forty. I can tell you that one of you is just two away from the correct answer. Thirty-eight, isn't it? I was thinking it was like twenty-seven. In the fifty episodes of Dynamite this year, there's been fifty women's matches. I don't know why I'm holding it like that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to win it and I can't. <laughs> in the 50 episodes of Dynamite this year, there have been 50 women's matches. How many have been in the penultimate match on the card? The answer, and therefore the winner of Ladies' Night is, is 38. 2023 is... 27! Yeah! Michael Sidgwick, the winner of Ladies' Night for 2023. Congratulations Woo! to you. I don't want to win. I don't want to play. Yeah, we don't want to play this game. Shout out to misogyny. <laughs> The real winner. <laughs> I, I, when I was doing the answer, I was like, they've taken the piss. It's always in the penultimate Scott. Uh, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. 27. Thank you very much. I'll do the rest of the speech as part of the podcast because we are running low. On I really, really, <laughs> really hope we don't play that game for much of next year. But no, I sense we will. Mm. You'll have your chance next year. Don't worry. They've added two more hours of television since we started this game. No, three. Yeah. Rampage. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely no notes. <laughs> if you could have put it like if you could have somehow like stuck it to your jump, it would have like a sheriff's badge. <laughs> that's, that's the effect I'm going for, obviously. <laughs> Looks that's what it looks like. Thanks as always to Adam. <laughs> and Jose Palomares. Uh let's move on and talk on. <laughs> talk about Roosh versus Jay Lee Lisa Lin- Who? <laughs> All right, Kenny. <laughs> Roosh versus Jay Lethal in the Continental oh, Classic Gold sad. League. Um, I, I, it was a brief match. It was the short, shortest match in Continental Classic. I history. blinked and I saw the finish. Chop, chop, chop. Fargo struts. Pose from uh, Roosh. Uh, lethal caught him with a lethal, lethal combination. Um, but uh, in the end, Roosh sidestepped the lethal injection and got a rear naked choke for the quick submission. Jay Lethal a little bit gutted afterwards and uh, Roosh hoying drinks into the fans. Literally two things to say. One, it underscored that Jay Lethal shouldn't have been in this tournament. Should not have been in this tournament. Um, hasn't delivered many great matches. Was there to eat every single pin. And this was legitimately a waste of time. I guess the finish has got a bit of continuity. Roosh selling how mm-hmm. pissed off he is with the defeat to Mox. They suggested he has plans to one day atone for it. And he hasn't forgotten sort of thing. Don't care. On, on to the next. Yeah, this was like both a marathon and a sprint because I couldn't believe it only went four minutes. It was pretty dry while it was happening. Like, have they booked Jay Lethal and Mark Briscoe backwards? Do you think they're like, right, there has to be pin eaters for the maths to work, but why don't we book a pin eaters 
wooden spoon. Wooden spoon match that actually matters so people know there's law between these two men. If you're going to do this, like, have this. Like, it's going to be... Mark Briscoe's such an over-baby face, and they knew that from the very beginning, that it's going to be one of the hottest matches on next week's Dynamite. Who's going to end on zero? And despite that, I still bought he might be Jay White in the and that's match. It, yeah. And that's it. So have do we credit them for that while accepting that there's going to be a lot of matches on the way that don't really hit as a result? Yeah. And they've mostly been Jay Lethal's ones. Uh, yeah, let's talk Mark Briscoe versus Switchblade Jay White uh, in the Continental Classic Gold League. All right. I'm fine. Um, <laughs> I thought Mark Briscoe's just beloved by everyone. And like I say, there's no you one can else. elevate pretty solid wrestling, yeah. which this was. He's the working Toriano of the uh, <laughs> Continental Classic. Uh, early on, actually, hits a rolling Death Valley driver and a froggy bow, but uh, Jay White right, wisely rolls out to the floor. Um, they get back in, but uh, White catches him with an overhead throw and sort of smacks his back off the edge of the apron. That looked like it sucked. Comes back with the redneck Kung Fu, uh, gets out of the Blade Runner as a result. Love it, man. Uh, a short DDT uh, leaves Jay White in control across the break. When we come back, Briscoe uh, hits that running elbow off the apron to the floor. Uh, White escapes Splash Mountain to a sort of chop exchange. Fights out the corner, uppercut chop to the neck, and Splash Mountain gets a two-count for Mark Briscoe, though. Um, he wants the J-Driller, uh, but White counters with multiple dragon screws and sleeper suplexes. Uh, and Jay White wants the Blade Runner. Briscoe spins out into an exploder, and I'm thinking, oh my God, he's going to get it. Goes for a second froggy bow, but White gets the knees up, hits the Blade Runner out of nowhere. One, two, three. Briscoe's still uh, without a victory. Jay White are now on nine points. My sheer earnest love of Mark Briscoe carried me through into this match because I just thought it was mainly solid. wasn't as good as the match they've had previously um, on Dynamite. Um... That was good, but again, it just suffered in comparison. And there's this, there's a sensation I get when I watch a Jay White match, when a great one happens, where I'm like, oh, you crafty bastard. How the hell did you get into that position to do that? I didn't really get any of that from Jay White in this match, if I'm being honest. Uh, this was predictable, but in all the nice ways. I think I, every I'm, single time he opened his palm, Briscoe, to do redneck kung fu. Yeah. I was like, oh, come on, yeah. do it. Yeah. All of his. Uh, little comebacks and his little flourishes were magic when you knew um, Jay White's going to spoil the party yeah. okay, and, and like, and he does a mid-match before the result itself because that's his style. This is never not going to be good matchmaking, but I think they were, again, they were slightly undone by the trappings of the tournament. Like, if this was in the middle of a feud, you'd be, oh, I can't wait for this. Like, we've built to the point where, like, the ultimate cut-off prick is going to have to fight just everybody's favourite wrestler. How's it going to go? But either maths... You were just, like, I, I take what you're saying, like, oh, Briscoe's so good that you can buy that he's yeah. going to win. But realistically, yeah. could you? Like, you could see then the 0-0 the zero, zero match was on for next week. And the, and it fed into the main event, obviously. It's mm -hmm. White mocks next. Yeah, because Roosh has got uh, Swerve. Yeah. yeah. Uh, big video package uh, hyping up ROH final battle. And then we got to the main event of AEW Dynamite. It was oh my God. Swerve Strickland mm. versus John Moxley. Uh where someone's <laughs> had to go. Holy, uh, you know what, and uh, AW chants ring out before they even touch. Yeah. Uh, you knew this was this was huge, um, as we previewed, of course. Uh, they're sort of evenly matched. They keep forcing each other in the corners and acknowledging what's going on. Uh, Strickland head scissors, sends Moxie out to the floor. He's frustrated by that. Uh, he comes back in, eventually gets to the second rope, gets his legs kicked out, for, out from underneath him in a uh, nasty leaping DDT from Swerve. Oh, my God. That's a two There's count. something, like, awesome and cool and new in every single match, Swerve. It's, it's like he's constantly saying, I'll be your guy. Yeah. I'm mm. constantly trying to impress you. 
the, make, love, it's the making of his great baby face turn in like two years time, yeah. isn't it? Uh, Moxley fires out of the corner later, though, with a lariat, punches, biting, stalling pile driver for two. He goes to the floor. Uh, Crotcher Strickland on the apron drives him into the ring steps. Uh, I think that's when we went to a break. When we come back, Moxley nails Strickland with a big lariat. Uh, but uh, Strickland dug down, backbreaker. Uh, that gives him time to recover. He hits a diving uppercut off the second rope. Goes for a rolling flatliner, but uh, Moxley's ready for that. Hits a leaping cutter for two. And a gotch-style pile driver, but Strickland kicks out. They trade head butts. They trade big boots. Uh, Strickland gets that rolling flatliner into a suplex. Uh, Moxley fires back up, so Strickland just kicks him uh, and hits a and gets a near fall off the back of that. Love that. I, I really that like cannot that. cannot be denied. Um, Strickland manages to hit Moxley right in the face with a house call. Wants the swerve stomp, uh, but Moxley again fires back up and dumps Strickland out to the floor. And he's like, count, ref. Uh, Strickland... Manages to break the break uh, back in before the ten count, but just rolls straight into a curb stomp for two. Um, there's about five minutes left. I think you're looking at the clock. Uh, Moxie puts him in a cross arm breaker. Strickland gets the ropes. Moxie gets out to grab a chair. Wet. Um, but uh, Strickland flies in with a dive, pump kick on the apron. Moxie collapses onto the chair and gets hit with a swerve stomp. And I was like, oh, okay, the chair's fine now. Um, in terms of that being introduced. Uh, Strickland hits a proper swerve stomp. Moxley kicks out. So Strickland's like, right, JML driver. But as he goes to that, Moxley rolls him up. Big handful of trunks. And I think Strickland's shoulder was up as well. Uh, But the referee counts to three, and Moxley says down the camera lens, whatever it takes, the swerve looks devastated. The first minute of this was just absolutely tremendous before they even did anything. And it just felt like such a message from these AEW fans. Um... In much the same way as when WWE fans for a few years before, you know, the turnaround happened, used to chant CM Punk. They did not necessarily want to see CM Punk. It was like kind of a protest for mm-hmm. Yeah, if you like. It was just their way of saying it. This he, reaction... He, he was right. Yeah. He had never followed up. Yeah. yeah. This, to me, this incredible, just in, like I was so up for it alongside these fans. This is a message of we want to see big matches more often. This is what we come to Dynamite for. This is what we pay a ticket for. Uh, we we really are into the idea of the Continental Classic and these stakes and the fact that it's total, like, everything for these wrestlers to win this match. Wins and losses matter. And it's, do not mess up Swerve Strickland next year. <laughs> Give him that title. Give him that world title. You, it must have been in the plans at some point next year before that reaction. If, for some stupid reason... It was not. Yeah, you have to change. Yes, yes. They're telling you. They are telling you literally as loud as they possibly can. Short of saying, gave Swerve the belt. (laughs) Gave Swerve (laughs) the belt. Like, that is what they were saying. And this match was great. I still think they've got better in them as well. Mm. I'm not trying to be this pedantic dick. I still think they've got better matches in them. But this is like pretty awesome for what it was. Just as like as I mentioned when you were doing the recap, I stepped on your dick. Sorry about that. The idea of just the cutter spot was amazing. But then the one where he caught Moxley out, just the idea is, and he's telling this story with his moves in his matches because it is possible to do that. Swerve is telling you, I cannot be denied. I cannot yeah. be denied. Even in the finish. Can't deny his shoulder was up. Mm-hmm. What a perfect way to do that when you like it when it's within the context of this Swerve Strickland ascension. What a perfect way to just do one referee foul up in this tournament. They've saved mm. that spot yeah. for this character on this step of his specific journey. Um, the execution of some of the moves was just great. 
as well. Just the attitude, the atmosphere, the feeling. That matters more than moves, and it always will. Um, we had the moves as well. And I still think this was a flat four, and they've got a fiver in them. Is that, that going to be the final, potentially? My only worry is that, are they building Swerve for this? Because the canopy. They can't give him the freaking triple crown. He's too big. They, no, Swerve doesn't make the final. Oh. You know, he, like, this setback throws him off. He doesn't win this. And nor should he. He's miles. People have speculated a three-way. He's miles above the triple crown. Where you could have Jay White take the pin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Because it could end up with a yeah, three-way yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Jay White can move above Swerve next week with a win and a Swerve loss. And I think that's what they'll do. And I think it's Oh, gone. no, Jay White's tied right now. With, with Swerve, both on nine points. Yeah, so if Jay White wins next week against, uh, against Mox. Oh, yeah. And Roosh beats Swerve. Yeah. Maybe that's it then. Or that's, how you, that's how you heat up. Oh, there's a draw as well. Yeah, I think Jay White ends up. Jay White and John Moxley for the group final, I think. Okay. Swerve just falls short, but we can all see and track exactly how that's happened. And ultimately, the key decision in Swerve's entire tournament run has been having his tights pulled and his shoulder up. You know, you can absorb that one defeat off the back of the fact that, ah, oh, my head's gone because of this one. This was the one he needed oh, yeah. to win. Keep that undefeated streak alive, and he hasn't. And it's, ah, oh, and that's great because this is exactly where he is. He's not the unstoppable force that John Moxley is. John Moxley put him over here with his finish. Like, we know that he wouldn't, or, like, he couldn't or wouldn't if he didn't see it. He put him over with his finish. He, he saw the future matches they're going to have. He saw the... Unstoppable ascension of Swerve Strickland and then backed it in the in like we're talking in real terms in how this match played out. The, like a mirror match, this was really artfully and elegantly constructed. Like I'm seeing double here for Shane McMahon's. Like, yeah. like you can do this, well I can too. Well yeah. you can do this, well I can too. John Moxley knew that threat in the promo he cut last week. He didn't guarantee victory. He just guaranteed that he would do whatever it took. So even he knew that Swerve had this in him. And then Swerve, normally Moxley tells you what he's going to do to win. He did that here, but he also told you that Swerve is his equal, and Swerve proved it, and it was decided not by... Mox is kicked out of the Swerve stomp, yeah. but this was not decided by who was the better man. It was decided by who was the more experienced <laughs> house. And on this night, it was John Moxley because points matter, because the titles matter. Mm. MJF tweeted the other week, I want to restore the feeling, right? And I believe he earnestly wants to do that. The feeling is Swerve Strickland because the fans want it, we all still believe it can happen in a company that can book competently. And they did so much here that existed for one, two, three, four, five matches years from now. That is what the feeling of AEW was originally. One more thing as well, that reaction to Swerve and the idea of this match. Um, I think it's because these fans can sense that in a year where more than one AEW wrestler, and it's not just the Young Bucks, at this point, Kenny Omega, more than one AEW wrestler feels mentally checked out or if not completely checked out and still committed to the cause, certainly they don't have the bit between the teeth like they did two, three years ago. You can just feel it. And if you can't, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. They sense that, that feeling that's missing from a lot of wrestlers in AEW. Swerve's like, give it to me then. Yeah. Give it to me. I want it. Even if it's as something as simple as I'll invent and casually invent a new move or a variation of a move in every single match, just to prove to you all I'm thinking, I'm striving, I'm being, I'm doing it. I want it. I want it. I want it. Give it to me. And it never manifests as like Dax Harwoodian desperation <laughs> to get acclaimed. Yeah. It's like it's within, it's folded into it's his work stuff, and yeah. character stuff. Great, absolutely great. I'm, I'm right in thinking uh, if you're tied, it goes to your head to head. Yeah. 
They explain that on commentary yeah. this week as if to sort of plan. So if well. if Swerve and Roosh goes to a draw, mm-hmm. Jay White goes into his match with Mox knowing he has to win. Yeah. And if he does win, doesn't that heat up the rematch they'll have as the group final? Yeah. I, I just beat you last week. Yeah. Like, and he gets the ho- home advantage. Jay White. Maybe top of the group, wouldn't he? I don't know how that works. Yeah, I'm just thinking more football. They have to wrestle in New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. That's, the, that's, that's what, what I was thinking. What are you talking about? That's to fly to New Zealand, so John Moxley's like going to be all knackered from the time difference. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but before the show ends, we cut backstage. Hangman Page is being attacked by the devil's henchman, uh, and the devil gets out of a car, nods, and uh, two of the men slam Page through the windshield. Real glass, Crimea River. Is that a clue? Well, yeah. it's a clue or a red herring. That's how these things work with Mr. Wilborn. Mm. Three, though. Like, the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> a claim window, you know, bo- <laughs> a claim window, a hangman page bottle, and now this. Yes. Like three cases of real glass. Uh, last week it was Wardo's hair and boots. This week it was the peak of Roddy Strong's red trunks that you can see in the attack. Yeah. They have said the people in the masks are the people doing this. So they're almost, as part of feeding into the speculation. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, Lexus King's back. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> they are. It's class. Like, as part of the, right, who's involved in this, who's part of it, why I'm excited about this is less about the reveal of the devil, though I do like it. Who is it? It's Michael Scott. Like, who is it? It's either Jack Perry or I'm Cole at this point. It feels like it's one or the other. Great, that's interesting to me. But also, I want to believe that AEW will not have just done this. Like, it's not Vince. They're not going to be like, what are we going to do when the mask comes off, Vince? Worry about it then. Like... (laughs) A stable of Wardlow, the kind of old undisputed era, and maybe Jack Perry. What's that look like? What's wh- where's all that gonna go? Mm. Like, I, I, that's stuff to think about. That's the future. That's like <laughs> Jericho. Actually, I'll have that part. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of the last guy to be the devil. My mess now. Like, it just it feels like you know we haven't had a to be fair to AEW because Triple H just nicked it and they thought we can't do this for a bit. We haven't had the dominant stable runs roughshod for a while, mm. and this is presumably what's going to happen when everything is revealed. And like Devil Christmas jumpers aside, I'm sort of, I'm sort of into the what that all looks like when they do when the hoods come off. Yeah. You know? oh God, I've got no thoughts. <laughs> Good red herring slash clue work. I guess I just kind of take them good, seriously. Good clue work, like it's working a body part. It's <laughs> like clue stuff. It's just the, they've Great got little glue. matching, little matching outfits. It, it, it's it's crap. So it look, it looks crap. But you're intrigued. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I, I, we'll revisit this in the new year. Yeah, yeah. Well, let us know your thoughts on <laughs> AW Dynamite. <laughs> In the comments. At Christmas, that's yeah, it. Yeah. That's it. It's darkest. Yeah, just shut it? up, man. Don't, don't dwell on it. Uh, let's make thoughts <laughs> in the comments or on exit uh, at What Culture WWE. Watch so you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. You're right. Pens are better. Yeah. <laughs> you can follow the winner of Ladies' Night 2023, Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Thanks once again to Adam Blair and Jose Palomares for all their help throughout the year. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow our brilliant producer at It's Adam Nicholas. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. Me and Sid will be back tomorrow to preview and on Monday to review AEW <laughs> Collision. But for now, this has been the Dynamite Review. My thanks to Hamlet, Sidri, to Nicholas. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.